0: The Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast.
1: The sun shone, the smoked salmon was in plentiful supply, and the shipping industry was once again the centre of attention in Oslo this week, as North Shipping delivered a reliably engaging week of debate. I've been offering you daily dispatches from around the events that I've been attending, but Lloyd's List has a full team out here this year, so I thought it would be a good opportunity to gather the troops and get their thoughts and insights on what the week has actually delivered. I'm here with Lloyd's deputy editor, Linton Nightingale, who, like me, is something of a norshipping shipping veteran. But we also have two fresh faced newbies on the team. Bridget Dyken, our data queen, and Ennis Tunica, our sustainability editor. Welcome to the podcast, chats. Hello. Hi. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> um, so I'm interested to know, you know, what you've made of the week and what your key takeaways are. Who wants to go first?
2: I can go first. Um, Okay, so I think this week has um, underlined the importance of uh, next month's Mm MEPC. And I think the key takeaway has been time is of the essence. Um, I'd say that it's clear that the industry is um, serious about decarbonisation, but it needs guidance and it needs concrete goals. Uh, Clarity over fuels, supply, investment and exactly what fuels there will be. But I think there's clear challenges that need to be overcome. Um, I I actually want to go back to earlier this week um, with some of these challenges. And I think one thing that uh, stuck out for me is not everybody is on board. Um, The president of Bari Ship Management uh, was speaking on your panel, actually, Richard. Um, And he was talking... um, And he's responsible for uh, operating hundreds of ships on behalf of Saudi Aramco and in in their um, terms they said that they're way behind on the uh, sustainability decarbonisation front and as he said they are nowhere near uh, on the same track as Norway our hosts and other major European nations and if the industry is to decarbonise um, it's crucial companies such as Bari too are on board and it has to be a global effort um, I also attended the launch of the Global Maritime Decarbonisation Survey as well. And one thing that struck me um, was that respondents um, who were from the small, medium players or ship owners, um, and they're also clearly behind on the decarbonisation de- 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 journey, um, and they're crucial. They have, I think, they represent around 60%. And the theme this week has been on partnerships. And clearly they need partners, guidance, as without them on board, we uh, represented, so about 60% of the fleet. Um, the, the industry will fail spectacularly in um, achieving its decarbonisation goals.
1: It's interesting because, I mean, decarbonisation clearly has been front and centre of almost every single conversation this week. And, uh, but I wonder, you know, whether the industry's done a decent enough job of getting past the gloss of... Um, talking about what they intend to do rather than what they're actually doing. I think there's been an awful lot of, um, not necessarily greenwashing, but I do think there has been a lack of attention to the details. You know, as I've mentioned in a couple of the panels that I've been on, we've got many um, companies standing up and and making claims that they are 1.5 aligned. They are aiming to be net zero by 2050. And yet, the number of companies applying actual science-based targets to these claims is barely making double digits. There are eleven, that I can count, that have actually done this. So I wonder if there is enough credibility in some of this bluster that we're getting this week. I mean, Ennis, you know, you've been to a number of the same debates that I have. What do you make of what Lynton just said, and and you know the the gaps in credibility that, I guess, are sort of starting to be exposed here?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I think if we look at um, what the industry has been saying over the few years, and we can clearly see that they've been, some of them at least, they've been creating excuses to maybe delay some of their investment plans to decarbonize. And I think on top of that list would be technological problems and perhaps uh, financing issues but it was quite clear in North Shipping that these issues have now been almost resolved in a way and I think most of the shipping companies that I've talked to during the week have been quite clear that financing will be there Mm -hmm. once there is regulatory uh, certainty and that they can start investing in maybe dual-fuel vessels and new fuels. Um, and if, if I can look at the technolo- technological side of things, uh, maybe go into detail on that, it, it seems very clear that we will have um, dual-fuel engines that will be able to run on uh, ammonia very soon in the next couple of years. I've talked to some of the engine providers, and they've confirmed that, those engines will be ready, both four-stroke and two-stroke. And I think that ticks one of the main boxes, uh, one of the main barriers that are standing in the way of shipping's decarbonization. And the next one is obviously financing. And the lenders that have been present in North Shipping were quite clear that they will be able to help shipping companies invest in these new technologies. And on the fuel side, I think it is obvious that we will start seeing some production of uh, hydrogen-drived e-fuels uh, in the next couple of years, especially in some of the Scandinavian countries. There will be uh, e-methanol and e-ammonia production in the next year or so. So I think when, there, when we can see production of these fuels and then the industry will come to the conclusion that these can be scaled up, they will have no excuses left. And if the IMO delivers uh, more ambitious GHG targets and also market-based measures in the next couple of years, then that will be the real test in front of the industry to see whether they're actually uh, credible Mm. when talking about all these net zero goals.
1: Yeah, I noticed There was a lot of caveats in that sentence. If, if, and if were the bits that I heard. And that's kind of the problem. We've got a lot of promises that if carbon pricing emerges and if the IMO agrees a sufficiently robust target and if the right demand signals are actually sent to the energy industry, yeah, we can do this. But the reality is we're still focusing on 2050. My key takeaway from this week is that actually we really need to be focused on 2030. We've got seven years to be cutting 40% of the emissions and yet when Andrew Forrest from uh, Fortescue Metals stands up and he stood up two years ago and said I will build a zero carbon ship, he couldn't get any engine manufacturer to actually deliver it and the engine manufacturers are here this year saying yeah it'll be another couple of years. That's going to take us dangerously close to a 2030 target that we have absolutely no chance of hitting. So. I think it's interesting, but I also think that there is a little bit too much gloss on some of these statements. Uh, Bridget, uh, decarbonisation, not necessarily your bag. you're more interested in uh, you know some of the security risk, uh, some of the um, uh, more immediate geopolitical uh, context problems that we've got going on in the industry. What's your your highlight from the week?
0: I think the highlight from this week is that there it's a really complex um, situation right now in terms of geopolitics and, and security threats and, and compliance as well. And the takeaway that I have is that, you know, shipping can't really act in, in a vacuum really. And some people or a lot of people are rather reactive and it needs to be more proactive in understanding the threats and... Um, and getting ahead of issues as well um, because there's so many things that can impact your business and it's not necessarily that you're going to get the support from governments as well. So everyone kind of needs to take on that that responsibility um, themselves. So I think one thing we talked about in one of the panels was compliance people becoming, you know, superstars um, in what they do and also the need for everyone to, to take on that role Um to, to protect businesses because ultimately the, the supply chain when it comes to shipping, there's so many weak points um, that, can, that can really expose you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was at that debate with you last night. It was really interesting. You had a, a senior banker effectively stand up. And this is a bank, by the way, that has invested billions of dollars in compliance over the last 10 years, as most banks have. And yet he basically said that the shipping industry is a fraudster's dream. You've got big money, you've got huge gaps in terms of uh, understanding the chain of beneficial ownership behind KYC just really isn't up to scratch across some of these uh, you know, kinks in the uh, supply chain. And basically, it's getting much, much more complex to be able to detect um, some of the fraud coming their way. And we're not even talking about the state level sanctions, we're just talking about basic money laundering problems here. So, I mean, there are real problems. And this is coming from a bank. These are the good guys. These are the people that are actually going above and beyond on compliance. The shipping industry, I mean, realistically, most shipping companies are are lucky if they've got a decent enough CFO to deal with compliance, far less an actual compliance officer. So I think, you know, there is a huge gap in some of that um, geopolitical risk knowledge that is going to underlie some of the uh, compliance issues that they're going to determine. Particularly, you know, we're talking in the context of the EU, currently putting together its 11th package of sanctions against Russia. We know shipping's on the agenda there. We know that we're probably going to see some sort of uh, wording of ship-to-ship transfers and deceptive shipping practices resulting in bans from member states. But the wording is going to be so woolly and the compliance issues are so undefined that I think this is going to be a real problem for the industry going forward. So we've got decarbonisation, we've got, you know, lack of substance i guess in some of the debates we've got compliance risk geopolitical problems um but anything else from the week anything you want to raise I, one of the interesting things for me in nor shipping is that it sort of exposes quite how um, vast the industry is we often sort of talk about it as being a sort of singular homogenous industry and of course it's not it's many many sectors and one of the benefits of things like nor shipping is you get to meet lots of different people who do things you maybe didn't even know existed in the industry. Uh, To our two newbies, the North Shipping versions in the team, I mean, have you you come away with any sort of, uh, you know, different thoughts about what shipping actually is?
3: Well, I mean, I must say, um, yeah, I've been attending a lot of conference in the last few months, and I definitely keep learning a lot about shipping. But I think one of the other takeaways from this week for me was that um, going back to the decarbonization debate, we we can do a lot of things today. And I think on top of that list would be uh, some of the technological advancements that we've seen in the maybe wind propulsion uh, industry. And this week they were on display and I think they won three awards on the same day. And it was quite uh, interesting to see that people are actually uh, interested in this uh, industry because they have to reduce emissions today. And as you mentioned, Richard, they have to uh, hit their 2030, 2040 goals. And I think wind propulsion and other energy efficiency measures will be key in, in that aspect. And I believe... There's there's a lot of uh, promise in in that industry, and they can definitely deliver some of some serious uh, emissions reductions and you know yeah just overall energy efficiency.
1: Bridget?
0: Yeah, I think um, what I've learned is that everyone is in the same boat, no pun intended. Um, you know not everyone is working towards the same goal and um and that you know expands across you know from decarb as well as to other issues like security and no one knows what the right answers are and um there's a a willingness a willingness though to to learn and collaborate with one another to find um to find the best solutions which i think is um is a, re- a really nice thing to see
1: linton i mean you and i've been doing this for a while it's I guess nice to see the likes of a former US presidential candidate, uh, a Nobel Prize winning economist and and various other sort of industry rock stars coming up and telling the industry how
2: important they are. Um, Sadly, I missed John Kerry's speech, but um, the one thing that I would take away, that uh, a number of people were discussing his hair, which is apparently (laughs) fabulous. (laughs) He does have very good hair. Apparently he has great hair. Um, but I've I, I said I didn't hear John Kerry speak. I did get the um, minutes from what he, uh, he said. And I think um, he, uh, his message um, to the industry was, you know, I think it he was, he was quite heartfelt. And he you know, laid it on a plate for us, really, that we have to act now and, some, and someone external coming in and of you know, his stature. I know he's been doing his climate tour for a number of years now, but for someone to come and literally tell the industry you have to act now, um, it was quite striking from what everybody I've spoken to it said, uh, you know, it gave everyone a little bit of an oomph. But I think the, the key takeaway is I don't, you know, I've, I've, everyone's There's been a lot of talk this week about you know we need to take action, but you know, talking us about talking about us being uh, North Shipping veterans, I have to say I had I heard exactly the same thing. From uh, Pre-COVID at North Shipping, and I hope that you know when we arrive at the next North Shipping, um, these you know fuels are in place, engines are in vessels, and we're actually moving towards these twenty, thirty goals, and it's not all just talk and hot air
1: Yeah, I, I I tend to agree. Um, uh, you know I have got a bit of heat this week for being quite so sceptical about um, actual progress and this gap between. The rhetoric that's on show and the reality of what people are actually doing but I do genuinely think that you know there is an issue here we turn up to these events and this is the first time that the industry's really got back since COVID and it's lovely to see everybody and it's lovely to have this positivity and lots of talk of collaboration but the reality is this debate has not moved on Um, it's got slightly slicker and we've got various other excuses as to why we haven't moved on But we haven't, and the numbers don't lie. We are not making enough progress. We are not moving fast enough. And frankly, I think the industry is in danger of, um, you know, having a real problem. If we don't move fast enough, the further we leave this decarbonisation shift, the more expensive it gets. That's not my opinion. That's the opinion of numerous reports and numerous economists. And when the likes of, you know, Joseph Stiglitz, a Nobel Prize-winning economist, stands up and, and lays out... The challenges for an industry that has geopolitical problems that it has absolutely no agency in resolving. Um, I think this is time for the industry to actually sit up and listen and understand that it is part of a rapidly changing and evolving globally integrated supply chain. And it's going to have to find its place and it's going to have to have a more holistic conversation about how it deals (laughs) with some of these problems. So I don't want to end on a a down note and I don't want to be the um, Cassandra-in-chief of the industry telling you I told you so, but I think it is an important um, opportunity for everybody to sit up and listen. I hope that by the time we get to the next waypoint in the Industries Canada, we've got a Global Maritime Forum coming up in October and next year we've got a a, a Posidonia on the agenda, so fingers crossed, by the time the industry gets together for the next sunny buffet field. Debate, we will uh, have made some progress, and fingers crossed the MEPC might have actually agreed something approaching a net zero by 2050 with some robust targets to go with it, but you never know. Anyway, for now, this is the Nor Shipping Lloyds List team signing off from Oslo, and we'll be back with the normal weekly podcast next week. Goodbye.